Welcome to the Leadership Drip, coffee and conversations for leaders leading the next generation. We're excited to welcome another incredible guest to the table. But before we do, could you do us a favor and hit that subscribe button? While you're at it, go ahead and give us a five-star review. That helps these conversations reach other great leaders. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and get ready to join us at the table for another great episode of the Leadership Drip. You know what I love and hate about fasting? Is that as you fast, like your sense of smell becomes like heightened. Mm-hmm. Like, and I walk out and I don't know where it was coming from. Probably the other side of campus. I was like, I smell donuts. <laughs> like it's Duncan's on the other side of campus. And I'm like, bro, that's your imagination. Like <laughs> Maybe hallucinating. Yeah, my mind's playing tricks on me. Yeah, that's true. Rob, I'd like to say it's cold here, but our guests that are on with us say it's negative 22 degrees. I love how your northern accents from Waukegan immediately comes out every time we talk to someone from up north. It's awesome. It's awesome, isn't it? Yeah, it, yeah. It yeah. Just spills right it's like out. Chicago just it's comes out of me. Chicago, like a pizza and yeah. brats and all those Chicago. But, you know, um, hey, but we are back at the table. First time back in 2022 yeah. to all of our friends of the Leadership Drip. Happy New Year. Welcome back. And we've got something really cool. We got our friends Josiah and Micah Keenley from Minnesota, and they are the hosts of the Young Adults Today podcast. Yeah. Well, you guys, Rob and Jeff, you guys are friends to us, and you're now friends of the listeners of both of our podcasts. And um, you guys, this is fun. This is like mm-hmm. Disney. We're going to do a mashup. Yeah. Our friends, Rob and Jeff, they host the Leadership Drip, another amazing podcast. So thanks for subscribing, rating, and reviewing both ways. And we're yeah. just here to um, to kind of introduce and, and just say what's up to the Young Adults Today fam. And we're all about reaching the next generation in our world today. When you look across the globe, mm-hmm. a couple of the people that we've crossed paths with are Jeff and Rob, and they're down near Lee University in Tennessee. And Rob is the campus pastor there. Jeff is a local church pastor right nearby campus. And these two have hearts for reaching the next generation in our world today. So who's ready to have some fun? Let's do this. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a good time. Anytime I talk to someone from Minnesota, I'm super excited because it's just going to be the nicest conversation ever. Uh It's going to be awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Side note, I'm from North Dakota, so I may not have the Minnesota nice. Oh, oh, oh. so, oh, okay. so like we have okay. a professor, this is a total sidetrack. We have a professor here who's probably been here like 30 years, but he's from originally from North Dakota and he always says, I'm a Nodak, not a Sodak. Is that, is that legit, Micah? Is that, is that I've never ever heard that, but that is, I might adopt that for us. Yeah. He'd always like, yeah. I'm a Nodak, not a Sodak. That's it's, how he says it. It's almost as contentious as the SoCal and NorCal conversation. I think so. That, you know, I'm very used to. It's like, no, that's very distinct regions. So uh, there you go. Whatever that's what. Well, so, so our friends who may think Josiah sounds familiar, he was on episode, I think, 31 of our podcast. Yeah, and we talked age. about Chi Alpha. We talked about his book, but he has a new book coming out. So we're going to circle all that um, and just really kind of talk about really what's going on in the context they're in as Chi Alpha. Uh, is it pastors or leaders? What do you guys call it? They're pastors. Considered directors, but through like the lens of the school, we're kind of just community advisors. Oh, so gotcha, that's what gotcha. we can kind of been doing the last four years. So we're in yeah. year four already. It's crazy. Yeah. And it's, it's it's good to be back on the leadership trip. I think that you guys have rebranded since yeah, I think yeah. I was under the old um, Yeah. The Collectives Co podcast. Yeah, yeah. Is what that's, it was. That's yeah. the one I was on. So now it's good to be back with you guys. Yeah. Rookies on 
Yeah, that's right. Well, we had an identity crisis. We did. You know, somewhere about podcast 40, I think it <laughs> yeah. was. I don't like, remember. Like, this is not who we are. This is not who we are. So what we do. So, so. so let's talk about you guys, because we're on a Christian college context, and so it's a little bit different. You guys are in a secular community college. Normandale yeah. is a very large community college there in the Twin Cities area. What's what's the culture like, especially in sort of young adults and their relationship with church? Oh, man, I think that's a, a great question. I think that's a loaded question. So just to put it in the context, we are kind of the flagship of Minnesota when it comes to a two-year school. So 15,000-plus students are enrolled there pre-COVID. And um, what what I say is, like, if you can imagine yourself at an airport, People have their headphones in, they're racing to the next exit. Like they're just on mission. They're sleeping on the couches. It's almost like a layover kind of feel when you are literally walking the halls at Normandale pre-COVID. And to kind of, you know, paint that picture, it's it's sad and exciting at the same time to know that some students are living on mission when it comes to their faith and other people are completely waiting for a breakthrough moment without realizing they don't believe in anything. And so they're kind of just sitting in this waiting pattern, waiting for that next flight to take off. And it's just a very unique, diverse. So we see anything from a 16-year-old PSEO student enrolled there right. to a 85-year-old enrolled there online or in the classroom. So when you're saying community college, sometimes people 55 plus are like, I need to get my two-year degree. So it's a very unique campus mm. to begin with. We hone in especially on the 18 to 30-year-old primary. If we can really target them before they hit 30 is 18 to about 25 and what we're seeing there is diversity across the board. I mean, like different countries, different cultures, different ethnic groups, literally just walking the campuses. And it's a beautiful picture. I think of what heaven's going to be like when it comes to color and race and everything. And um, the gender identity crisis is definitely prevalent on our campus. Not only what it feels like the campus itself, a crisis, but also the individual. Um, Why was I designed? Who designed me? What does this mean? How, what do I identify as, or who do I identify with? And so we're just kind of navigating those waters as leaders and being sensitive to the fact the Holy spirit has placed us there and God has planted us there, but we literally see any and all belief systems. We see the atheist, we see the agnostic, we see the person who's a Christian on fire for God saying, where are all the other believers? Mm. So it is a very, very diverse campus on all spectrums. I would say, I don't know if you'd add anything, Josiah. <laughs> no, I think, I think you covered almost everything. I think what's been really unique is the past three semesters is the rise of online education. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we'll see many staff like professors who teach four out of their five classes are actually still online as mm-hmm. of recording this episode. And then, you know, students might be on campus one day a week or, and, and it was already like no dorms and no sports. So um, higher education is changing, at least on the community college. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yet you got to add sort of the, the layer to that as well, that it's community college, which is no knock against the educational value. It's just the transientness of that, of that system as it is, right? Because most students start off or attend a community college with the intent to transfer somewhere else. That could be one semester. That could be the full two years with an associates. But, but at least at Lee here at Lee, we have a shot at a good four year, sort of holistic discipleship approach. And, and some and people spend five. <laughs> some take five or six, 
Um, but yeah, but I think I think that adds also sort of the weight to what you guys do, the urgency of what you guys are doing there. Yeah. Uh, so for for our listeners who may not know as well, kind of uh, just really quick, just help us understand what Chi Alpha is and how you guys sort of attend or meet the needs and serve the students through the Chi Alpha program, because I think it's such a unique opportunity that a lot of our listeners may not be fully aware of. So maybe just kind of help us with that a little bit. Totally. So Chi Alpha exists to transform the university, the marketplace, and the world, and really emphasized on two specific needs, the spiritual needs of students and the relational needs of students, especially as it relates to um, like secular campuses or public colleges and universities. So like we're actually an experiment as far as the community college side, we're one of the first, but Mm -hmm. Chi Alpha also exists on three other, 300 other campuses Mm -hmm. as far as public colleges and universities. So you pick the U of M or Ohio state or any of those schools, um, big 10 schools, and just Mm -hmm colleges and universities alike. So a lot of people are like, well, what's Chai Alpha? It sounds like, you know, a fancy drink that, that Jeff would have on tap at the leadership drip, or, or they'll also say, you know, like, is it a frat or is it a sorority? And it's, it's really geared at an extension of the local church um, to go, honestly, it's a missional movement. This is reaching a strategic mission field being the university. And so we believe that four years of a, a student's life impact the next 40 and beyond. So it's like, man, if we can do outreach and evangelism and pair it with discipleship through small groups, through weekly mm-hmm. gatherings and groups and get togethers, the vision is then that that's going to help a student um, to then transform the marketplace as most college students aren't necessarily going in the mission field or vocational ministry yeah. at maybe a local church, they're going to be mm-hmm. a minister on mission in the marketplace. Yeah. And we believe that ultimately then Kyle is passionate about sending out missionaries globally and locally. Yeah. And so those three pieces transforming the, the university, mm-hmm. the marketplace and the world. Right. Yeah. So some of our listeners who may be from public, public universities may recognize Chi Alpha it's also on par places like Crew or InterVarsity, Navigators. They're all sort of campus ministries. Chi Alpha is a, um, a part of the Assemblies of God. I'm a product of Chi Alpha. We had this conversation last time. I had spent about a year and a half in Chi Alpha at Illinois State before transferring to Lee, and it like was formational. Like It really helped sort of set the course for me to go into ministry. And I was like, hey, not that I – like, but Chi Alpha was bad, but it was like I have to go study to do the ministry. And so I transferred out of Illinois State, but that – that time at Chi Alpha was a critical component to that. So I'm a huge fan of Chi Alpha, like huge fan of what you guys do um, there in Normandale and then as a, as a whole brand of, of ministry. So, yeah. But really, you guys, as Chi Alpha, pastors, directors are almost like missionaries. Like you have to raise your own support, right? Yeah. Wow. So, so, which is cool because you guys are very entrepreneurial and I think that's a conversation this generation is really like they're socially entrepreneurs, they're socialpreneurs, solopreneurs. Um, how has, have you seen that sort of socialpreneur and entrepreneurship lived out one in your life as, as missionaries to Normandale, but also in the context you're serving, serving? It's a great question. It's one that like my and I get jacked and fired up to have this conversation because like Friday nights, 
Shark Tank comes out. So we'll be down here and we'll be on that couch over there. And like, we love to watch Shark Tank and to hear different pitches. And so like entrepreneurship flows in Micah's veins before mm -hmm. she was called into ministry. Mm -hmm. And it's actually what I set out to study before God asked me to, yeah, to <laughs> kind of my future. So I think it resonates with us deeply and now it makes sense, right? Because now mm -hmm. we're on the other side and it's like, oh, some of those passions or mm -hmm. the way that God's wired us or uniquely designed, it starts to make sense. And, and it just happens to be maybe not a marketplace mm -hmm. um, business, but it's starting a ministry. And I pulled this, I looked at um, from Forbes, 44 million workers in America are self-employed. Wow. So that's 28% out of about 150 million workers in the U.S. workforce. A third, so one in three Americans have a side hustle. And NASDAQ said this, 24 per, more percent plan to start a side hustle this year. So if you take 33 and add 24, like almost mm -hmm. half of yeah. Americans are likely going to have a side hustle by the end of 2022. And I think that mm -hmm. the reason this is important, the reason it resonates with Mike and I, and with, I think young adults is because they want a sense of freedom, right? Yeah. They want a sense of ownership. Mm -hmm. They want a, a sense of independence or autonomy. And I think even broader than that, I was, I was thinking about this, this morning is that the young adults we know would rather make an impact than an income. Mm-hmm. And right. they're cause driven and they're hungry mm -hmm. to make a difference. These are purpose seekers. And so I think that the reason that uh, entrepreneurship matters is because it, it's also like a huge rise in our American economy of the gig economy mm -hmm. that right. people may not work for one manufacturer in corporate America for 40 years. Right. We talked to somebody yesterday who has had 29 jobs and he's 58. Wow. wow. And so he resonates more with, with the immediate generation yeah. of millennials and generation Z. But I, I just think that um, our students are going to come in. Like I talked to a guy named Josh this morning. He's like, man, I was struggling to share my faith. I realized other people are too. So I started a brand called Elevated Faith. Mm -hmm. And now it's taken off. It's like a seven year wildly successful company. And so I think that people have ideas and it's never maybe been easier to start a Squarespace website or an yeah. Instagram mm -hmm. account or a blog or a podcast or a side hustle. And so if we can help young adults or in, in this case, college mm -hmm. students mm -hmm. recognize that, whoa, Jesus is interested in my gifts or my mm -hmm. passions. And I could actually be a form of an entrepreneurship form of an entrepreneur within the local church or a campus ministry. I think mm -hmm. some of those things deeply resonate. Yeah. I, I know it's, it's such a nuts and bolts conversation and maybe it's irrelevant, but I think it definitely points to an indicator of culture and generational shift. You know, you talk about a guy that's 58 had 29 jobs. There was a time and probably still is to some degree um, that that was looked at as a very unstable person. Like, how do you have 29 jobs? Like what's wrong with you that you can't stay in one place for five years, 10 years, or, you know, 20 years or whatever. Right. But now I think the way resumes are running, it's, you know, you're seeing, it's like, well, I started nine businesses now, eight of them failed, but I started nine businesses and it's like, okay, cool. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like the whole, the whole mentality is different. And I think part of the leadership shift and part of the leadership structure, that's sort of the tension between 
where we are in our current modes and systems is that uh, there's a there's a undervaluing of the of the capability and the flexibility of a Gen Z coming in who's had eight jobs by the time they're 20. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the sort of the I don't, don't mean this in any kind of derogatory way, but sort of the more older established leadership role systems models where uh, you highly value consistency and stability and you know longevity and all those things are still important and they matter but but there's that I think that's part of the the tension that we see in terms of how that even plays out in the local church you know um, with youth pastors or right. with worship pastors or whatever it's like you know you were at that last job seven months what's wrong like what happened it's like you know, and so I, I know maybe that's something even I struggle with. Like I, I was counseling with a, a, a young guy who's a pastor in Louisiana and he's like, Hey, I've been here like four months and I really feel like God is calling me to California. I know you live there. Like, you know, how soon should I leave this church to go there? I'm like, Whoa, like, you know what I'm saying? Like I struggle with counseling that because, because of my own sort of mentality baggage, understanding and experience of what leadership is and how yeah. God speaks and moves and all those things. But I think all those things are at play. In this I, whole I think thing. it's an important conversation because I think there is some importance to stability and staying somewhere, staying rooted. When we talk about local church, yeah. let's talk about local church and put it in that context. Getting somewhere, and I have the conversation with young adults as a local church, church planter, like if not my church, find a church, right? Get planted, get rooted somewhere so you can grow because you can only grow if you're rooted somewhere. Like you can't just keep moving from church to church and place to place and expect to have long-term longevity and growth as a disciple of Christ. Or an, I like the word apprentice. Dallas Willard yeah. says an apprentice of Jesus. So yeah. um, how are you guys maybe helping students find footing and staying rooted somewhere with the tension, and I think it's a good tension, of sort of the adventure and the the drive to go and see change constantly, like starting businesses. Like, how do you are you holding those two things in tension, especially in a transient place like Normandale? Yeah, I think that's an excellent question in regards to managing that tension. I think is always going to be there. Yeah, I yeah. think that's just inevitable with the world with within with with where we live and like from technology to people's passions, hearts, dreams, desires, their attention spans, yeah. um, and their willingness to stay. Um, I think what we've kind of just honed in on is number one, if they come to a Chi Alpha or they come to an event that we hold, we always point them back to the local church. Get plugged mm-hmm. into a local church that is in the word of God, that yeah. believes in Jesus, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Like know what the church believes before you walk in those doors and just assume because we have many um, individuals that come to this and like, I don't have a community. I'm not making friends. Okay. Well, where are you trying to get plugged in aside from what we've provided for you, meaning Chi Alpha, a Bible study in our basement, fun events every month. Like, what are you doing? Well, I go to this church for worship. And then I go to this conference over here for this church. And then my online church is like Stephen Furtick. And then when I'm done with that, I think I might go over here. It's like, okay, those are all good and fine in theory, but they're not taking root and they're not allowing the seeds to even be planted to take root to grow Mm -hmm. in their discipleship, in their walk with the Lord, in a community that they feel is sustainable. So I just think what we've 
been attempting to do is number one, um, disciple the students that God's placed before us, pointing them to the heart of Christ. Number one, number two, asking them the hard, challenging questions of who is holding you accountable. Um, I'm going to call you out in, in love and truth in the same sentence of saying you, you desire God and you say he's first it's family or it's faith, family, friends. Okay. If your faith is no longer a part of those three, how can we help you identify where's the hangup? Is it, is it a um, lack of discipline? So helping them personally identify in inward struggles that come out in their entrepreneurship or out in their relationships. And I think the, the battle with that is we can't, we can't want what God has for them more than they want it for themselves. That's true. And I think as a leader and as a pastor, you see so much potential in this next generation. You're like, if you would just hone in and like rev that horsepower in like one or two lanes versus just a free for all, I think you would find stability in the decision-making process from your business that you desire, the church and community that you want, the relationship with God and those around you. So we, I think what we've, we're called to do is to point them to Christ, point them to a local church, as well as just provide opportunities for them with what God has given us specifically. So, and then network with the people, you know, say we have students that are going to the East coast, you know, like, well, then here's some people you need to connect with that we know, at least give this pastor a call, let them know that you're there, you know? So I think that's that's truth right there. No lie. I I, I had a conversation with two different individuals that Josiah had sent me and said, hey, these are students that were in Normandale. They're now Lee students. You need to connect with them. Like, that's the real deal. They do that for good. And and one of them, Micah uh, mentored this gal, and now she texted us, and she's like, look who my professor is. And Jeff, it's your wife. It's Rachel. Oh, no way! (laughs) And so it's like, what a small world. Like, just... Just as a, as a, maybe as a sender or as a, as a launch pad mm-hmm. where we yeah. are maybe more in an environment where it is like, we kind of talked about like the layover mm-hmm. season. Yeah. Okay. So when you land in Tennessee, here's a great church. Mm-hmm. You already yeah. picked out your college campus, but here's maybe somebody you, right. you should have coffee with or connect with. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. So, so, so in this vein though, we talked about the stability of church. How are you guys helping young adults? push into the adventure of of whether it be in the school setting or the entrepreneurship the side hustle business um how are, how can the church respond to that like i feel like that's an interesting space that the church hasn't really looked at like how do we help people like be kingdom minded in entrepreneurship right right Man, that's a great question that is it. a really I great question I, I look at like our our leaders in the local church aware of this and, and reaching young adults in this immediate generation being millennials and generation Z, some are like, Mm -hmm. some really are on the front edge of Mm -hmm. like entrepreneurship and, and like giving the keys to the kingdom, so to speak. And like, not just delegating tasks, but delegating authority. Um, Craig Rochelle is always big on that. Like if you delegate tasks, you're going to create followers. But if you, if you delegate authority, Mm -hmm. you're actually going to reproduce leaders. And so I think that's our goal. And here's, here's just like my observation as somebody who's been on, grew up in a local church Mm -hmm. has been on staff in a local church. And now that we are like 
on the campus missionary side of it, mm -hmm. we're rooted in a home church. Right. Like we attend, we serve, we've led small groups, we try to be involved. Like this is the local church where we've dedicated our daughters to the Lord and we're in community inviting people in. And what I've realized though, is that we've, as the capital C church really moved to an attractional model, which prioritizes weekend gatherings. And that's mm -hmm. amazing. And I'd say the rally cry of this generation is twofold. This is just what I believe. I believe that young adults and college students are saying this is a rally cry. First, what about us? Yeah. And the second is similar. We want more. Mm -hmm. And what they're saying is like, mm -hmm. Micah brought this up. They want more touch points than just see each other once a week on Sundays. They want mm -hmm. like Sundays for sure, but they want to go out to lunch afterwards. They want to mm -hmm. maybe have a Bible study or hang out, like have friends. They might want to meet their future spouse. Mm -hmm. And the local church is an amazing place to meet your future right. spouse. It's where we met. Mm -hmm. And so I think to lean fully into this and to embrace this, I would encourage leaders and listeners um, to, to be comfortable with this tension right. and to not be threatened or intimidated by the next generation but yeah. to be secure and to say, you know what, you're going to reach some people that I would never reach. Mm -hmm. Let's do it together. We're on the same mm -hmm. team. And so I'm not going to be threatened like Saul. I'm actually going to embrace and empower the next generation. Because I think that one more thing that I see is college students have questions yeah, and they're asking hard questions yeah. sometimes. And, and they'll say things to me like, okay, so the questions that I have nobody's answering in the church mm -hmm. and the answers that they're giving me at church are the questions that nobody's asking. And I think similarly, like Grant Skeldon once said, he, he said that the most cause driven generation is at times mm -hmm. at odds against the most cause driven organization, mm -hmm. that being the local church. And so I think that like, if it's the practical, I don't know the answer or we haven't cracked the code, but I think conversations like this one are really important to have to say, okay, we have somebody who's on the board mm -hmm. of a nonprofit. We have, could they be on our finance committee? Right. We, and so not just mm -hmm. looking at the minimum that somebody might be able to offer to a local church, but really like there's some problems and we might task a young adult mm -hmm. to, to give a stab at solving one of them. Yeah. Right. And if they, if they fail, okay, we're going to embrace mm -hmm. that because I think it was Elon Musk who just said this. He said that in their organization being SpaceX and Tesla, trying and failing is actually rewarded. Trying and succeeded is like highly rewarded, but trying and failing mm -hmm. is embraced and highly rewarded. What's mm -hmm. punished is not trying. Yeah. Right. Right. I would, I would say from our perspective, guys, our age sitting at the table who are in leadership, when we encounter a young adult and they, they say they're going to be a blogger or, uh, or they're going to make money some other way than what we traditionally think. I think as pastors and leaders, before we criticize, we need to listen. Like, cause there's people who make legitimate money on TikTok or wherever it is, whatever yeah, the yeah. platform is. Like we can't like look at a young adult and go, well, you need to get a job. Like yeah. when they're going to make four times the money we're going to make doing being an influencer or whatever it is, or having a t-shirt business or whatever the, the niche is in this sort of gig economy and whatever. So I would recommend to, to leaders who are 
Gen Gen X and older maybe, when you encounter a young adult whose vision is something out of the ordinary, be slow to speak and encourage. Yeah. And I think I think, you know, if you're talking about more, Josiah, I think, you know, at least at least in my context here, um, what I'm finding at least especially on college campuses is that students also want something more than than surface level sort of doctrine, mm-hmm. Christianity, preaching, conversations, right? I mean they are already entertained, entertained hours a day on their phone, right? I mean, they're already are, are laughing at videos. They're already like consuming content or they're already entertained. And I think this attractional model, which I'm not against as a, as a former church pastor, right? Like I'm not, I'm not against the attractional model, but I think there's also, as we evaluate our structures and our systems, especially in the local church, we have to begin to create space for these alternative conversations that do allow um, especially younger Gen Z millennial uh, Christians to ask harder questions, to dig deeper. And yeah, there's a thousand ways that you can do that through small groups or through different sort of outside programs or whatever. I mean, that's that's not this that point. But but I think creating the space to initiate those conversations so they can get more. Yeah. Uh, the students that I'm encountering here, they're they're not impressed with all the things that we can produce. I mean, the, the, the intensity that I'm finding is in the small rooms, gathering spaces yeah. where there's 10, 20, 30 students who are just absolutely pressing in to know Jesus. They mm-hmm. really want to know who they're following. They want all of him they can get. They want to know the power of the Holy Spirit that it talks about in the Bible. And they're thirsty. They're hungry for it, right? So, so I think when we start talking about more, we also have to, as leaders understand that this is so far beyond performance driven realities and attractional models in church yeah. and building congregations, which is important. Like I'm from a mega church context of that. I'm not against any of that stuff. Right. Yeah. So I think, but I think this generation is so hungry and I use this word loosely because it's become so many other things, but the authenticity or the authentic presence and power right. of Jesus. Right. That's, true. Um, that's really what they're after. That mean at the end of the day, isn't it funny how hype is out with this generation? And oh yeah, yeah. is really oh, in. Absolutely. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh absolutely. Yeah. No hype. Yeah. Like zero. Like I mean, just <laughs> we're the we're the our church. If you, if you we don't we're not online or anything, so our church is like the least hype church in town. Like yeah, like we are like so not hype, but we're again that we're authentic authentic or authenticity is what we strive for. And we found kids attracted to it and attracted to authentic conversations and willing. Like when you open space for them to ask questions, they ask really good questions. Like we're in the middle of a fast in our church. I'm a young lady who attends our church who's a athletic training major here. And she goes, I have a question. I was like, oh, okay. You know, and she goes, what about people who ha- already have eating disorders and you're calling a fast? And I was like, I've never thought of that. Like, thank you for bringing that conversation up because I would have never considered that. And so I, I think when we invite them to the table, they bring conversations that we weren't even thinking of. Right. Um, we talk about reverse mentoring a lot on here, but I think that piece to it, being willing to open your table, open your couch, open your house, will, as leaders, will open conversations you had no perspective on. That, that's so good. And I'm just reminded of the fact that as a leader, the people who are supposedly following us or looking to us are only if we're not willing to take them where they want to go, they'll go somewhere else. Yeah. 
if we don't know the throne room of, of who Jesus says he is, and we can't get into the presence of God and we don't know how to take people there. Cause we don't know how to get there ourselves as the leaders. Wow. Like what, a what, like it's a Holy spirit conviction, you know? And I think that's where we transitioned out of a church on a college campus and we still have students or young adults who are almost 30 now, so it's five, six years into it, who have said like, Micah, I miss the Bible studies in your house when the presence of the Lord came down and spoke mm-hmm. to me. And it's just like, well, you were in our Bible study for three years. You know how to enter the presence of God, but you've, you, the community aspect have sh- has shifted and changed. Right. And I think as leaders, like if we want people to go with us, we need to validate and listen to their dreams, their passions, and help them unleash what God has already given them. And if we don't know how to do that for ourselves, because we're narrow-minded in our upbringing or our experiences and everything, I'm just reminded of, this is kind of going back a little bit of like, how do you bring up the entrepreneurial side of the next generation without like squandering their dreams or laughing at their, well, you want to be a blogger? Oh, wait, what? You're going to make five times more than I am. But I mean, what we did strategically for our wedding, because we had a budget and because we had so many friends that wanted to start a business, we had three different people that we were able to bless in that process. Photographer, she goes, I want to be a wedding photographer. Would you guys like, I'm offering this and you would be my first wedding. Now she's off taking she's and doing booked. photography. Mm-hmm. And then the second one is videography. Okay. We, one of our friends is really want to launch his business and do this. Would you do our videos? And the third one is you want to go, you want to make your own cupcakes. Will you do the cupcakes for the wedding? So even if the church could team up with individuals that they know have dreams and passions and maybe sign a three-year contract, a six-month contract, or maybe a one-time thing or event where it's like, I want to be able to pay you with this, but if you want to volunteer on a Sunday to this capacity, that is also an opportunity. And I think that's one fun thing that we've learned the entrepreneurial side, but it's like, like you said, uh, Jeff, like we need to be the ones listening and invite people to our table, but be the one to be silenced and just listen to the conversation unfold of what are they wanting, asking and desiring. And and one of our professors, um, Brian Pingle, what do I have to bring to this conversation? Why am I here? And what do I have to offer? So as pastors and leaders, that's a humbling thought to approach every conversation with, but I think it's essential if we want to stay in tune with what is currently happening, as well as, you know, turn our ears, um, go to the, to the person who is, you know, of the next generation, if we want it to continue. So, yeah, I think, I think from a, yeah, I think, I think from a, from a leader's perspective, and again, Jeff and I are a little older. Uh, we've we've got a little bit more. Uh, I'm the only one with gray hair. So I don't know why you don't have gray got, hair yet. Got, well, hey, bro, I don't know, but uh, we got a few more miles under our feet, right? So, and we've we've been through some stuff, and I think this is such an important conversation, and we talk about a lot on our show, and I'm sure you guys talk about on yours as well. But this this whole um, bridge that leaders need to cross in order to create a a preferred state of a future reality, because because the bottom line is church is not going to look like it does today, 20 years from now. It just isn't. It can't. There's, there's just too many, too many variables at play. There's just too mm-hmm. many realities to contend with. I mean, everything from Oculus and VR and, you know, what is, what does virtual church actually look like 20 right. years from now? Like, are we, you know, is Fertit going to be like, you know, hologrammed in to, to like, mm-hmm. you, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. like what's that going to look like in 20 years? Because those are real conversations to have, right? So, so as leaders who are, and we are protective, we're shepherds where our hearts and our minds are trained a certain way to lead a certain way. 
and what it takes for us to untangle or detangle that is is a is a massive massive undertaking right i mean you're literally untraining yourself from all the things that you've ever learned or experienced in a lot of ways and so and so uh, i guess i guess sort of that that two-way street is uh, patience from the gen z millennial side to understand hey we're not being roadblocks on purpose like we don't despise your ideas we just don't actually know how to deal with them yet yeah like we don't know how to process what it means to to do a lot of these really cool things that you're talking about other people are doing and i think a lot of leaders aren't opposed to new ideas they just don't really have a clue what to do with them they don't know how they fit into their current structures and models and systems in their local churches. They don't know what impact that's going to have on their financial budgets or on their leadership structures or on the elders or whatever, you know, is, is at play. So I think those those two realities, the closer we can get to to seeing those bridges built and those pathways connected, I think the better chance a church and a local leadership in that church have of actually reaching young adults in their community. Yeah. It's not easy. It's, 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 it's a heavy, heavy task. Right. But I think the more we extend these kinds of conversations and I hope the leaders who are listening, you know, take it to heart. It, you don't have to change everything at once. Right. Start with, start with literally one conversation with a young adult, a Gen Z leader in your church and say, how can we partner together on one thing? Yeah in just this one aspect of ministry for next three months, what does that look like? Like take it off in, in bite-sized pieces. No. And I think like, like we're doing right here, this is, this is an, not an anomaly. Let's not say that, but it's, it's what I think is cultural, the collab culture of a generation. Like you see it in music all the time. It's yeah. like somebody's the artist featuring somebody else. And those are the songs that explode because they take two fan bases, they merge them into one stream, and that takes off. So, and it's a conversation that maybe we can dive into later, but the collab culture in the church. Yeah. So, like, we grew up in a competition culture. Like, we weren't going, like, we were going to help that church. Like, they're going to take our sheep. They're going to steal our people or whatever, the you know. And I think now the Gen Z culture and the, the younger millennials have this collab culture. Like, I was talking with a young adult the other day they are the first one to celebrate somebody else. Like somebody drops a song, like their friend drops a song, everybody's sharing it. Like it's not about competition, it's about collaboration. And like you were talking about your wedding. So I think to piece these conversations together, I think an interesting question would be, how do we create a collab culture in the the big C church? Yeah, I I guess here's a recent conversation that Micah and I had in our marriage. It's like we were just each describing our own experiences and I was like, okay, Micah, I've taken a step towards you. Can you take a step towards me? Mm-hmm. Or it was vice versa. It was like, mm-hmm. Micah was like, hey, just I, I took a step towards you. Can you take a step towards me? And I look at like, I just wonder at its core, if it isn't a younger generation approaching the older generation with honor and saying, I'm here, I've come with questions. I'm here to serve your vision. I want to be an extension of of Jesus and your vision. And I'm here to serve. And then to your guys's point about reverse mentorship, I I wonder if it isn't about Mm. the older generation approaching then with humility to say like, man, uh, I don't know about that. Can you teach me? Uh, I'd like to learn about this Mm -hmm. or can we try one of your ideas and like 
I'll, I'll back it with my name or my mm-hmm. budget, or like, you've got my resources at your disposal. And I think that if there could be not just like, um, oh man, what movie is it? It's, um, oh, this is a funny movie. It's, um, on the tip of my tongue and it's the dating hitch. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So Will Smith and then, um, is it Kevin James? Kevin James. Yeah. So they're 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 like practicing the kiss about Allegra, and and he's got the keys, and he Will Smith is like jingling. Hitch is like, hey, like you come ninety, I'll come ten, and then Kevin James <laughs> goes ninety percent in for the kiss, and and then Hitch never goes the ten percent. So Kevin, you know, so then and it ends up being that Kevin James kisses Will Smith. You never go the hundred percent, but kind of like that is the picture I get of like two generations taking a step towards each other and not making yeah. out. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Good clarification. Yeah. 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 Good. <laughs> intimacy, perhaps like we can, we can, yeah. we can appreciate spiritual intimacy, like work together, you know, be in tune with each other, but don't, yeah, don't make out. Yeah. That's, so that's bad. Funny. Here's my observation is like Jeff and Rob, you guys literally embody what you're describing. We have friends who maybe you've had on the podcast, you've highlighted, you've celebrated them. Even like, I know this about you both is you guys are celebrators of the next generation. You're actively taking Mm -hmm. steps. So like, what would you say to that same question to, to maybe the listener who's like, okay, I, I want to be more available. Or mm. how can I celebrate people who are in different generations? Or how, how can I start conversations of collaboration? Yeah, That's I think, I think for me, um, you know, I have students all the time, you know, talk to hundreds of students a year in my office, you know, whatever. Um, I, I think for me, one of the big things is trying to help them focus their energy and their passion. And so I don't really feel like my job is to always create um, their ideas or bring their ideas to reality, but to help them actually move forward in a pathway that helps them do it on their own. So, for example, uh, there's a group here of students and a few alumni that we started this past year called the Exiles. And really, we're just in this stage of um, whiteboarding many different ideas, but it's the, it's the four core leaders that are all Gen Z students and, and like a couple alumni. And I literally sat down with them and say, where are we? How can I help? Where do you want to go? And like, what do we do to, to make that a reality? And so I lean heavy on them to, uh, construct what they want to build. And then I feel like part of my role is it saying, okay, if you construct that apparatus, here are some possible or potential roadblocks or pitfalls that are going to be there, but also here are some potential benefits if it works. And so then I help them create healthy decision-making processes for their own dreams and ambitions. And I think I serve them best in that way. And then where I can and where I need to, I advocate for them where I can and I need to, I resource them where I can and I need to, I applaud them and publicly push them and all, all those things. But I really feel like as a leader, my, my main sort of, um, uh, I wouldn't say job, but, but one of my main uh, sort of tasks in celebrating and leading the next generation is not doing the work for them, but teaching them how to do the work themselves. Yeah, Does that make sense? Oh it, yeah. yeah it's, it's amazing. And so 
I think that's the approach that I take with a lot of lot of students that, I, that come into my office and share these ridiculously crazy dreams and not flinching when they do. Like, dude, that is awesome. Like, you want to do this? That's incredible. And uh, but how's that going to work? You know, mm-hmm. tell me how you plan to do that. Like, what's the yeah. first step? What's the what's the first conversation you need to have? Who's the first person you need to call? Like, you know, what's the first piece of paper you need to write on? Like, to to sketch this out. Can you do that on a napkin drawing? Like. All those kinds of things. And so just empowering them, equipping them yeah. to help put feet and hands to their own callings and passions and desires. And listen, I, I think from from this side, from the podcast side and from our own personal socials and different platforms, we just live very open-handed with those resources. Like it costs us nothing to share something on social media. Yeah. Like it really, it costs us nothing to like go, hey, when this is our friend who dropped a new song or has a new book or whatever, and to go, we're proud of them. Like there's great value in it, but it costs us nothing. Like, so we, we're, we live very open handed with those resources and we live open handed with resources we have. Like I was telling my wife, I was like, this is like, we had a conversation and this girl's like, um, I want to like preach and teach and I feel this gift and calling. It's like, all right, I got a book for you. Like, I'm going to give you this book. And I was like, this is how we lose books. Like they never come back, but that's okay. So I think we just try to really live open handed with what God's given us. Like, it's not ours to begin with, right? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, including everything we have that's a resource. Right. So if we live open-handed, releasing that wisdom, yeah. information, money, platform, space on our podcast and Instagram live, whatever it is, then we're just, we're just funneling God's resource for somebody else, for the kingdom of God to be used. So, I mean, I think for leaders, I think living open-handed with what God gives you because the crazy part of the principle is the more you give away, the more space you have for God to give to you. Like the more he trusts you with that. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, so if, if, if he trusts me with a little bit and I give that away, I've made space for God to give more to give away. Yeah. And that's how we expand the kingdom. And I think in especially promoting uh, next generation. And Jeff and I said hundreds of times, probably on the show and even off the show, you know, our primary goal in what we do is to steward whatever it is that God has given us. Yeah. We're just, we just want to be good stewards. Like, like, you know, we're not on the circuit, you know, nobody's calling us to, you know, at least, you know, nobody's calling me. Nobody, <laughs> <laughs> we're, not, we're not like on the big preaching circuit somewhere. And that's cool. Like we're, we're okay yeah. with that. Like, that's not our goal. Like our, our goal is to really do everything we can to facilitate the, these kinds of conversations because our passion and our heart is so bent for the local church and for the young adult leader, because this is the, this is the most uh, uh, this is the most important time, I think, in the yeah. history of the local church where young adults should and ought and need to be leading with genuine authority and power and influence in the local church. Mm-hmm. There's never been a greater time in history for young adults to get engaged and to make a difference in the local church than right now. And like churches, and, and I know we're talking primarily in an American context, and that's that's fine, but 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 churches need young adults. They don't even know how bad they need young adults. Yeah. Right? And so it, it's so imperative that we 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 spill into them and pour into them the things that they need to understand their value and their worth, not only in terms of the kingdom of God, they know that he loves them, but really in terms of their their immediate and direct impact that they have on what the Bible calls the bride of Christ, the local church. Right. I mean, it's just, yeah. So if I were, if I were reflecting and, and so we're, I don't know, five months into our church plant, yeah. I think something like that. 
and and we had some we had a, what we call DNA, so second step in our assimilation process. We had six young adults taking spiritual gifts tests, identifying their gift, and we're going to identify how to place them in the body of Christ with their gifts. So that's what we did last night, and and we love it. So eighty five percent of our church is probably under the age of twenty five, at least eighty five, maybe ninety percent of our church is under the age of twenty five. The problem is. 85% of my church is under the age of 25 and I need spiritual parents to step in to mentor and lead. So I think like in this tension, we need both. Yeah. Like we need the young adults in church, but, but if you're, if you're over the age of 30, you can be a spiritual parent. Like you're two steps ahead of somebody. You can mentor, you can lead, you can invest. All you're responsible to do is give away what God's given you. And so the, I think the call is both young to gather young adults, but to gather those who can invest in them. Um, we need we need both so that we can make this thing run. Because what we've heard over and over on our show, and probably your show as well, the multi generational churches are the churches that are winning. Yep. So you skew young, J- Dr. James Emery White. I think we both had as a yep. guest says skew young, but have multi generational churches invest in them. And and we're skewing young real good. Yeah. <laughs> but if I was calling for help, it would be for the the adults who love the Lord and have had long a long lasting relationship with him to step in to help us lead. And I think that's what churches need both. They need the young adults and they need those bent toward them to step in to lead. Yeah, and I think I think all of the research and all of the data that we're finding both in the secular context and in the sacred context, Barna or whoever else, you know, see uh, Grayson Miller, whoever you want to read about Gen Z, they're all emphasizing the necessary um, and absolute importance of intergenerational relationships yeah. and how that is so formative and transformative in the life of a Gen Z person, student, whatever. And I think I think don't think we need to ignore the data because it's yeah. there. Yeah. So I think that's a critical piece of it. Yeah, it's important to cultivate both ends of that for the 20-something right. coming in the door and the 80-something who feels like they're being overlooked, that they're not being utilized, and to recognize that there's breath in your lungs, God still has a plan for you. Yeah. Absolutely. And I would encourage even just the, the listener today, like find somebody who's older than you to mentor you. And if you have people in your church, if you have the old white-haired people, I mean, get them involved. Ask them to be a part of something. Mm-hmm. And some of the fun things that we've done in the past to see that generational gap come together was actually the gener- a generational um, supper. So the younger people, we they sent us on a mission trip. 27 of us went to um, uh, Kotzebue, Alaska. So we were up there for almost two weeks. We came back. We prepared a meal for the 55 plus in the church. We had round tables. We had questions. We shared testimonies. And to hear the old people around the table, they're like, we've been praying for your generation every day at this church for 35 plus years. Now, Everybody in that room was under the age of about 27. So they were praying for us before we were born that God would do something within those church walls. And the mentorship that came out of that, the um, engagement from the young adults went up because like, oh, an older generation cares about me. And the older generation is like a younger generation cares what I have to say as well. Mm -hmm. So when those two worlds intersect around those tables, like everybody leaves with their eyes filled with tears because they're just like, you care enough to speak into my life. And one thing I feel 
that was challenging for me moving to the city. I was looking for mentors and I went to a pastor's wife and she was well in her sixties and she'd been a pastor's wife for like 20, 30 plus years, far beyond probably. And I was like, would I, you know, I value this about you. Um, you lead with your husband on some levels, this, this, and this trying to be a pastor's wife, you know, Josiah and I are getting married. Is there any way that you'd be willing to mentor me? Um, and she looks at me, she's like, I don't know how to mentor. Mm. So nothing became of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and a friendship was kind of there, you know, but it's not deep. Like I would have wished. So even just empowering the elders and creating some type of opportunity roundtable discussion, like a J term where all generations come together, where you can say young adult, this is something that God spoke to me. You are never too young to teach and you're never too old to learn. And I think both generations, like wherever you fit in between zero to a hundred, you need to cling to portions of that. If you feel that conviction, because both are necessary for the, the body of Christ to thrive. And we can't complain about the old hymns. And I pray that the older generations don't complain about, you know, the contemporary or the, you know, the other music that's coming in, that's, you know, a little more wild and upbeat because we all, our hearts all should be beating for the one thing. And that's Jesus Christ. And to see his name, his name known outside of the church walls and not be so insulated and isolated within the four walls, but to be so confident that people are holding up our arms of all ages and stages of life that we can go outside and walk out in that confidence from the gift, the skill set to the mentorship that we have in and outside of, you know, the context of church ministry marketplace. So I, don't know if I, I think the older, the older generation needs <laughs> yeah, to uh, like needs to to realize how excited most of the younger generation is when they open themselves up. Right. Right. So so we're doing um, we're doing this whole pilot study of some small group realities on campus that are outside of our typical dorm small groups, and um, we we opened up these these conversations. And we gave this list of a 40 approved like curriculum set books that people could use. These leaders could use. And the oldest faculty member we have teaching or leading one of these facilitating one of these groups within minutes, within minutes of us um, publishing the list of them. He's like, this is the book I got to teach. And I'm like, are you serious? And he's like, yeah, he's like, I got to teach this. And it's, and it's Mo Isom's Sex, Jesus, and the Conversations the Church Forgot. And his group filled up so fast. He's like the oldest faculty member we have. And it's like, but but they, they are responding to that because he's coming from a, a place of sincerity and genuineness and, and passion and concern. You know, and, and yeah, we're talking about all the LGBTQ plus conversations and the culture. and But really, it's just about the importance of of him allowing himself to be Yes, vulnerable, but but really accessible to these students, yeah. and they're eating it up. They're eating it up, but and it's not has nothing to do with age, nothing at all to do with age. And so, uh, young leaders ask, and if like in Micah's case, if they're just not comfortable, they don't really know, then ask somebody else. Don't mm-hmm. don't assume the rejection is personal, because a lot of people our age and older, um, you know, we have never been asked to mentor, and so that makes us nervous. And what does that require? And like how much time does that mean I have to give and yeah. what's my responsibilities? Because we think different. Like we, we see it as a task list a lot of times, right? Not, not that relational piece. So, so keep asking, like find yeah. it, like go for it. Like there, there are people there, especially in the local church um, who are so willing to just sit down with you and listen to their stories because mm-hmm. in their stories are nuggets of life, wisdom and gold yeah. and anyway. Right. So, 
Well, I think it. one more thing I thought of that, like a paralyzing realization that I think Josiah and I both had was at Assault Conference, which is our Chi Alpha Conference. We have every right. January, a thousand students gathered together. And there was a couple there that this said like, hey, if you've never been prayed over by a parent, come forward. Like we mm-hmm. want to bridge that gap and be that parent for you now. And to realize the Full generations offers. coming yeah. up are, are, are what divorced homes, broken homes, mm-hmm. never knew mom, never knew dad, grandparents raised them, whatever that is and looks yeah. like, let alone trying to find faith in that they've never had a parent to step in and truly parent and care and to walk in a spiritual authority within a household over their, over their, fa- uh, their family. And to realize like, Hey, if you're 55 plus, or if you're 30 plus, who cares? You have an opportunity to be a spiritual grandparent to so many people and start with prayer, like just start with yeah. praying as yeah. an individual, like God would bring opportunities in addition to who can I start praying for? And when we saw those altars flooded, it was just like, wow, 500 yeah. of you have never been prayed over by a parent. Wow. And that's only wow. in a room of a thousand. Right. Yeah. So, so do the crazy. math, right? Take yeah. this, yeah. take the metrics, do the math, crazy. multiply it exponentially. Like, so anyway, Hey guys, we're almost out of time and we want to honor you. And I know that you guys have like a really five cool thing you do at the end of the year at the end of your show. And so we want to give you a chance to do your home run derby high five thing. That They're Minnesota, Minnesota twins. Minnesota twins, right? Anyway, yeah, so go. shoot away, like, like to lead let's us go. home. Like, let's do okay. this. So Rob and Jeff, what we do is we put five minutes on the clock and these yes. are rapid fire and yeah. you guys can um, take it any way you want to you go. We each get let's... 30 seconds, I guess. Cause yes. it's oh gosh. Okay. So yeah, yeah, let's, do start, it. let's start with this one. What's your Starbucks order? Am I on a diet or not on a diet? Because if it, if I'm not on a diet, it's caramel macchiato every day of the week. But typically, it's just black coffee. I'm black coffee all day long, every day strong. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. Question number two. What is your road trip snack? Chex Mix. I, I, Chex Mix, Chex Mix, Chex Mix. The black, bold, and zesty. Okay. Mine is, maybe this is obvious. It's the um, the crumbly little donuts you get in the pack. You know what I'm talking about? <sighs> The, the you know one, like the, the powdered ones no, like the, or the uh, donut the, sticks like the, the coconut ones that are like have the dry oh, coconut and everything yes. on them you know what i'm talking about yeah 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 yeah, yeah. but the, the little sleeve the of them like i can eat like 40 of those things in like a second it's amazing <laughs> what about dream vacation you could go anywhere i'm a beach guy so probably somewhere caribbean or mexico or you into hawaii so i, I guess yeah. i'll take hawaii since you already been there oh gosh um Okay, my dream vacation is in the mountains of New Zealand, like away from the world, just enjoying the scenery and the beauty and pretending like I'm one of the people in Lord of the Rings. That's <laughs> that's that's it. One of the characters. Let's do it. All right. So question number four, what is a must read book for us and the listeners today? I'm going to throw it back. We talked about this before. Yeah. Um, an older book that's more seasoned is Andy Stanley's Next Generation Leader. It may be out of print. If you can find it, try Thrift Books maybe, but it is a quintessential young leader's read. Yeah. For me, um, and I I mentioned this because it's one of the books that had the greatest impact in my life outside of scripture, obviously. It's John Brevere's Bait of Satan, Mm -hmm. Learning How to Deal with Offense. Yeah. That was, it changed my life. Yeah. Well, We've already talked about this, but the heart of why really, I think we're all having conversations like this one is we believe in the next generation. Yes. So if, 
if you could encourage the listener as far as why is young adult ministry important? Why is discipling the next generation important? What would you say? I think it's the plan of Jesus. That's, <laughs> that's the whole point. Like, I mean, it's what we're here to do is, is to, is to live out our lives in such a way as the next generation falls in love with him and they want to pursue, pursue him with their whole hearts. Like, that's the whole plan. Like they're there. That's why it's important for me. I, I would say God's generational. Like you see throughout the scriptures from one generation to the next. And I think God is a generational God and that we have a responsibility to be passing down faith generation to generation to generation. Um, and I think that starts with the responsibility of, of leaders, young and old that we're handing it down to somebody else. Oh my gosh. Well, I pray that every listener takes that mm-hmm. to heart. You know, that that is God's plan. He yeah. is generational and it's the, the way of Jesus is to invest into the faith mm-hmm. of the next generation. And so we just want to honor you guys, Rob and Jeff. We love you guys as friends. Thanks for doing this mashup. Yeah, this was and fun. Just for your heart for young leaders. Yeah. It bleeds through every conversation and we're so grateful for you. Man, yeah. We appreciate you guys so much. And of course, you know, always here at the Leadership Drip, you got a seat at the table. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Leadership Drift. If something from this episode helped you lead better, then share it on your social media and tag us. If we see it, we may share it to our channels. We appreciate you taking time to join us. Remember, you always have a seat at the table.